the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Next Level Wednesday. We're going to go straight to the next level. We're going to take it higher. We're going to Invite up here to the pulpit to preach the Word of God to us tonight, Mr. Nicholas Mitchell. Give him a round of applause. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us, for letting us be here, for letting us be your children. Thank you for all the wonderful things you're doing in our lives, Lord. I thank you that we just stay focused on what you're doing and what we already have and let's focus on what else is out there that's not happening right now and that we don't have. I pray that we would just take more time for you and your things instead of us in our things. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one here tonight speaking to us and that it's not me and that you are the one that knows everything and it's none of us. We thank you, Lord. We want to put you in control of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm just going to jump into Scripture. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians. If you all think I'm texting during church, I might be, but really my notes are on my phone. We're going to 2 Corinthians, actually, chapter 12, verse 7. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited to be out here tonight. I don't have to choose between the adult service or the youth service. I get to play basketball with the teenagers, play three games of basketball, and still get to come hang out with you guys. So I get the best of both worlds. I love my job. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Are we there? All right. It says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. I did not realize that the first verse I was reading tonight had the word proud because we all know pride is not good. And I'm wearing a shirt that says pride right now, but that's okay. Everybody's proud of their kids, right? Everybody in here, you're proud of your kids and I'm proud of my kids that I'm teaching right now. They gave me this shirt to be proud of the school. So that's kind of ironic. But all right, let's get back to the point. I'm going to read it again. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So I know I'm starting in the middle of of a thought and everything with Paul speaking here. But let's just look at this, this fragment, this sentence fragment right here, okay? He's getting wonderful revelations from God, but there's still other stuff going on, right? that he's not enjoying quite so much. See, like, we're so we're just like, man, if God would just tell me what's going to happen, if God could just answer this one prayer. But then even though, like, I'm getting this wonderful stuff from God, but there's still these other things that I'm not all that hot about, right? So, so Paul is getting wonderful things from God. But the second part says, so to keep me from becoming proud. See, if we just... 
if everything instantly happened when I did it and when I tried it the first time and when I prayed it, I would think it was me. I would just think I'm the bee's knees and I'm the best in the world. But God's got to keep me humble and reveal to me that it's really him doing it. It's really his hand in control of my life. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, this thought isn't really expounded on too much. We never really find out exactly what the thorn in Paul's flesh is. It doesn't spell it out verbatim. It might be a sin. It might not be a sin. I personally don't really believe it's a sin because Paul is so serious in his writings about us being able to live holy and live separate from the things of this world and not live in sin. I'm not saying the man never sinned once he got saved. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But I personally believe it is so possible to go long periods of time without sinning because it's written in God's word that you sitting here, you are able to go a long period of time without sinning. No, it's not easy to do. Yes, it's very hard. But it is possible with God's power, with God's strength, not on my own. I'm not strong enough to not sin. But with God's strength, I'm able not to sin. So a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So God allowed Satan to do something to Paul to keep him from becoming proud. We're going to keep reading right here. We're going to go to verse 8. If you got a bookmark or something, you just want to put your finger there. We're going to look at Job chapter 1 first, and then we're going to keep reading in Corinthians. We're looking at Job chapter 1, verse 12. All right, so, so Paul's talking about this something, this irritant, something that God is, you guys know God allows Satan to do stuff, right? God is allowing Satan to do something from, to Paul, to keep Paul from becoming proud. Now, when God is allowing Satan to do something to Paul, Paul is still receiving revelations from God. So Paul's not separated from God because God is allowing Satan to torment him. You guys, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. This is all in this verse we just read. But let's read Job chapter 1, verse 12. This is God speaking to Satan. All right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. You go to uh, chapter 4, and it shows you, or chapter 3 probably, it shows you where Job, where God says the same thing to Satan, but he, this time he allows him to put these things on Job. He allows Job to get the boils and stuff. And this is when Job's wife said, you should curse him. You know, he's scrapping his arms with pottery. It's actually in chapter 2, okay? It says, all right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So the second time God told Job, you can do whatever you want to him. Just don't kill him. This is in chapter 2, verse 4. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life. And then in verse 5, or in verse 6, God says, all right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So first, God is allowing Satan. You guys know God doesn't have favorites, right? God does not have favorites. So whatever could happen to Job, 
could also happen to us. I hope it doesn't, because that's some really, really bad stuff. But whatever happened to Job could happen to us. Whatever happened to Paul could happen to us, because God doesn't play favorites. It's not, it's not that we're so good that we get to be called by God's name. It's that everyone else is so bad. God says this in his word. It's not your righteousness that you're getting to do these things and that you have these blessings. It's the world's wickedness. It's because they turn so far from him. They're so far apart from God. They're not any part of it. It's not that we're anything. It's that they just totally turned their back on God. So what I'm getting at here is the same thing that's happening in Job is the same thing that's happening to Paul. God is allowing Satan to do to test Job. God is allowing Satan to test Paul. He's putting obstacles in their path. And God's saying, but Job is still going to praise me even with this obstacle in my path. And we see that Paul still praised, still did the Lord's work, even with this thorn in his side. So let's go back to our text in 2 Corinthians. Where we left off in chapter 12, verse 7, we're now going to move on to verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Does that sound like any of us? How many times have I prayed for the same thing? Over and over. Oh, this hurts, God. Please take Oh, this doesn't feel, God. Please take it away. I don't like this, Jesus. Please. Please just, just heal it. Please just, just take care of this one person in my life that just bugs the mess out of me. Please, Jesus, just do this one thing for me over and over and over. And that's good. You need to pray for it because Paul prayed for it, right? He didn't say, well, I knew God was testing me, so I didn't pray for him to take away. That's not what he said. He said three times he prayed for it to be taken away. But see, Paul didn't get the answer he wanted. Paul was praying for this irritant of Satan testing him to be taken away. But that wasn't God's answer. What was God's answer? Verse 9. Each time he said, it's written in red letters, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God didn't say, I got your back. I'm going to take care of it. We're going to get it out of your way. It's not going to be a problem. You prayed for it. I'm going to take He said, no. He said, my strength works best in your weakness. That's what God said. God said his strength works best in our weakness. So when I'm proud, I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. Yes, I said bees, knees, and a bag of chicks all in the first 10 minutes. And I'm only 25. All right. That's not where God's power works. That's where we want it to work, right? We want to be high riding on a cloud all the time. But that's not how this works. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just a man. But with God, I can do anything. But if, if, if it was just a constant, like, elevator ride, being a Christian, we wouldn't think we needed him anymore. Why would he need... We're going to get into that in a second. Verse 9, each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. 
Now, Paul also said, only boast in the Lord, right? So if I'm boasting in my weakness, I'm boasting in the Lord at the same time because I'm weak. But guess what? God is still in control and amazing things are still happening. Can I be real with you guys? Can I be vulnerable? Can I tell you real stories about my life where maybe I don't look too good? If y'all want to throw me out after I tell it, that's fine. It's okay. I'll accept that. I'll roll the dice. So I've been struggling lately. But everything's been going right. You guys notice there was this thorn in Paul's side, but he was still getting revelations from God. Everything's going beautiful. I love my job. It's amazing. I'm ministering. Like, okay, remember, it said you can boast on God, right? So this is, Nicholas is nothing. Everyone remember that, that this guy standing here, he's nothing. He's dirt. He's terrible, right? But I'm ministering to hundreds of kids a day. Like, it's phenomenal. Teachers send kids to me to pray for. I was just walking in the cafeteria yesterday morning. One kid asked me to pray for him. I prayed for him, and it was just a real short prayer. Like, I pray you do good on the test. You do amazing. God shows you the answer. He just shows you all the words on this writing test, and you write a big, long paper. And another student jokes. They say, oh, that wasn't a sincere prayer. Like, his eyes was open. He was walking. I said, hey, you know how to heal somebody? They said, no. I said, be healed in Jesus' name. I said, hey, you know how to cast a demon out? They said, no. I said, be gone in Jesus' name. The girl said, I'm still here. I said, you're not a demon. She was just joking. They're kids. They're, they joke like that all the time. So amazing things are happening, right? I love my job. I love my life. But I haven't been joyous and happy all the time. I haven't. I haven't been happy all day, every day. Even when the world is just shaping out, going the way it should go. There's still things that I'm just not happy about, that I'm just not smiling and laughing for. Now, I know I got the joy of the Lord. I know God's peace. I know his promises. I know his word. I know how I'm supposed to feel, but sometimes I don't feel it. Am I the only one like this? Has anyone like, like I know, I know God loves me. I know he's going to do all this for me. He's got it taken care of. He's got a plan. He's going to take care of my family. Like, like God is in control and it's amazing. I'm so happy. Like I'm in love with Jesus, but I don't always feel like I'm a 10 out of 10. I'm less than that a lot of times. Does anybody else feel what I'm saying? So, so I've been feeling this for a long time and You know, I've been praying every day. I've been praying for happiness, praying for joy. I continued to press in when I didn't feel like it. I thought that was my phone because I'm using my phone to preach. All right, we good. We good. If it's important, you can take it. All right. So I kept pressing in even when I didn't feel like it. I continued to say, like, praying for joy, praying for happiness. But I wasn't reaching out to anybody. I was like just reaching out to God. I'm like, God, you know what I need. You know what's going on. Please just help me fix whatever's going on here. All right, so let's see where we're going to go with this. So I continue to pray. Three people within two days, after this going on for maybe two, two and a half, three weeks, three different people in two days called me. One person called me just, I didn't even spend any time around this person in this period of time. They just called me out of nowhere. Hey, how you doing, man? I said, I'm good. They said, yeah, you're full of it. They just knew off of that, like God had already showed them that I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't joyful. He's like, man, you're full of it. And he, you know, he spoke a little word in my life, tried to cheer me up. And that was the end of the conversation. The next day, uh, my buddy calls me. And so then since someone 
already called me out on it, I opened up to the second person. Anybody else, someone, maybe even God will call you out on it, like, pastor says something real good Sunday, and you're like, no, 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 no. But then someone else said, like, maybe your wife said the same thing to you later, and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right, you know? Like, like it took that extra step. Like, I was too hard-headed to hear it from the first person, but when the second person calls me, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, this is a sign. I got to listen the second time, right? So I opened up to, I'm told, I'm like, man, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping, tripping. Like, I'm just tripping a little bit. I know, I know what God's saying about me. I know he's got it. Like, I'm not like way falling. Like, don't think like, I'm not, I'm not like running off sinning or like doing some crazy stuff or walking away. Like, I'm just, I'm just praying a lot because I'm not feeling it. Like, and I started my last few sermons like this in different places. I just, I started my last few sermons. I said, I'm just not feeling it, guys. But I want you to know God is still in control, and he loves you, and he's going to show up powerfully. But, like, I'm just not, like, super happy, you know? So then the third person called me on that second day, and it was my mom. And my mom had the right word that I needed. God used the first person to get me moving, the second person for me to choose to open up, and the third person to really just show me what I need to do. And it's what I already knew. So... I don't want y'all to get me wrong. I'm standing up here preaching. I spend hours getting ready for tonight, and I spend hours every single day. Again, I'm allowed to boast on God. I boast on my weaknesses. I'm telling y'all my weaknesses, but anything good I say is all him, all right? The weakness stuff, that's me, but the good stuff, that's all him. I spend hours every day, like I'm praying all day every day. I'm reading all day every, not reading all day, but I read like a couple hours, right? I'm always worshiping God. I spend hours in my Bible, but... My whole life, I've had a morning routine where I wake up early and I read and I pray and I worship. You're like, Nick, why are you telling us so much about your personal life? This has got nothing to do with me, nothing to do. Just bear with me for one second. I promise you this is going to illuminate some things. So my whole life, I always pray and read in the morning time. But being with this new job where I got to leave at 6.30 every single morning, I was slacking on that. So nobody else in here I know has ever worked instead of spending time with God. I'm the only one that, I'm like, I got to go to work and pray and read. I'm not going to look. I know that nobody else has ever, is my hair all right from this angle? I know that nobody in here has gone to work that day and not read their Bible or prayed. And I certainly know that nobody went to work and talked about Jesus without reading their Bible and praying, because that's what I was doing. But you know, you can't give out of an empty well. But I was, I was minister, but I wasn't really an empty well. I don't want y'all to misunderstand what I'm saying. Like, Jesus is my life. Like, I'm in him all day, every day. He's in me. I'm still doing this. But to me, putting him first, literally, first thing in the morning, I'm not telling anybody in here, no one needs to have a morning devotion unless God tells you that. Most of my friends, most people I know, their devotion is at nighttime. And that's wonderful because they do. They wake up early and they go to work because you're supposed to provide for your family. It's the right thing to do. And then when they get home, maybe after work or before dinner, after dinner, before bed, they have that time where they read, they shut the door in the room alone, and they pray. If that's you, that's awesome. But it's just not the way I'm wired. I feel like it's got to be my first thing or my whole day is just wrong. But if God's got you set up where... You're doing it at night, like that's perfect. You know, there's, there's no better or worse. It's just whatever works for the individuals. So the point of me talking about myself so much isn't because 
I want to stand up here and talk about myself, but it's for an illustration that something pastor said on Sunday. I'm going to quote the great Reverend Sheffield. The minister, I'm being serious when I like, I'm being dead serious. People already quoted him. Like people quote him the day it happens. I'm just doing it on a microphone and I'm calling, I put it in quotations because I'm pretty sure I typed it exactly how you said it because, because it's only a couple words. That's why I was smart enough to do it. It says, he said this Sunday morning, don't cut out the very thing that we should emphasize. That's what your pastor said Sunday morning. Don't cut out the very thing that we should emphasize. You can write that down and quote that if you want to. That's a quote of a quote. Don't cut out the very thing that we should emphasize. But what did I do when I was started going to, tr- to work early? What did I do? I cut out the very thing that I was supposed to emphasize. I wasn't happy. I wasn't joyful. Instead of doing what I know I needed to do, I slept in. I didn't wake up to, y'all, for the last, I don't know how long, I've been waking up at 4 a.m. every morning. I wake up at 4 a.m. now because this life for Jesus is that important to me, that I will wake up at 4 a.m. so I can spend an hour with my dad doing nothing else, not getting ready, not eating, not showering, nothing, sitting in my room with my Bible and my worship music and praying for one hour. And then at five, then I start getting ready and leave at 6.30. Now, y'all know that I'm weak. I'm telling y'all a lot of bad stuff about me, right? I'm boasting in Christ's strength and in my weakness. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 12.10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But see, Paul wasn't just running around all the time and saying, Oh man, I'm so weak, like I'm not good at that. Like, oh, I I don't study the Bible, I don't try hard, man. Dude was locked up. And still ministering, still pastoring all these churches, still discipling all these people, still being a missionary. He was locked up. He was so on fire. When he was locked up, people was coming to where he was at. He was in cuffs. And people were coming and living with him who weren't in cuffs to help him spread the word. I'm talking about a man of God was somewhere nobody wanted to be. But he was living so hardcore for God that other men of God were willing to go where he was, even though they didn't have to be there. See, weaknesses, weaknesses. We take these tests at the school and it shows the kids strengths and weaknesses in different subject areas. Okay, And the three weaknesses that they miss the most questions on the test Then we have this long, drawn-out process where we use different forms for them to study and get better on these subject areas before they take the final state test. 
So we didn't just say, oh, well, this is your area of weakness, so just do really good on the other part. It's going to balance out. You're going to get good grades and pass. No, we said, you already got the other part under control. So all of you, you guys all got amazing, wonderful, beautiful gifts that God has given you. There's stuff that you are so good at that I couldn't even begin to do, right? And that's good. You keep doing that. You keep sharpening those skills. You keep living in the calling that God has you in and the power and the strength and the wisdom that he's giving you in certain areas and aspects of your life. Like Miss Kersey is a phenomenal leader. She's leading so many people. She can do things. She probably multitasks insanely. She probably helps 20 people all at once, solves 20 different problems, right? That's an insanely wonderful talent. But now all of us also have weaknesses. So, yeah, we want to we use our strengths, right? But we don't just want to let a weakness be, and ignore it and say, well, I'm not good at that, so it's not important. If it's something essential that God's showing us will help us with our life. Is it, if it's somewhere where maybe we keep falling, or not, not, even, not sin, not even sin, but like we just, we just don't do a good job at it. And every time it comes around in our lives, there are people... Uh, brings a certain subject to us or a problem to us, and we just don't handle it well. We just don't handle certain situations well. But we are supposed to try to get better at it. See, Paul was praying. Paul begged the Lord three times to take this away from him. He didn't say, oh, I'm glad that I got a weakness and I got something tripping me up. He said, please take it away, God. But he didn't stop when God didn't take it away. He kept pressing in. All right, we're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through Did anybody raise their hand yet? Okay, I told somebody that if I was too mean and if I started preaching really hard, they were going to raise their hand and no matter what I was saying, I was going to stop and start preaching about love instead. Okay, so there's someone in this audience that if I see them raise their hand, I know I'm being too hard. I'm just going to stop and talk about love, but I didn't see their hand yet, so I can't. I must not be being that mean. All right, chapter eight, verse two in Deuteronomy. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Now, okay, humbling, uh, one, one form of the word humbling is like to submit. So to humbly, like to submit yourself to God. If you're humbling yourself, to God. You are submitting to God. So you're saying like, God, you calling the shots. All right. God, you're calling the shots in my life. I want to do this, but because I I love you so much. I love you more than me. You call the shots in my life, please. So verse two, remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you. So you are being submitted to him. You are allowing him to be in control of your life. And testing you, God's testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Think like most people in here are parents. Okay, but even if you're not, you'll get the metaphor. You take your kid to the park and you say, go play. They do whatever they want. 
It's all good. If you know, they start throwing rocks at trees or stuff. If you don't care if it's not hurting anything, right? You just let it happen. They're having fun. They love you. They're like, this is awesome. I'm playing in the park, right? But then as soon as you bring that discipline in, that's how you find out whether or not they're going to obey you. And it's important to know if your kids are going to obey you. Because if when they're young, you just let them run around rampant, then when they're older, they're sure not going to listen to you, right? So, we're never done growing up. We're learning every day. And we're always God. We're always our dad's kid, our heavenly dad. We're always his children. So, he disciplines us. And he tests us, he humbles us to see if we're going to listen to him. He doesn't just let us run around and have a free roam and play all day because then he wouldn't know if we were really going to listen to him. If God just let us all play all day, then like everybody that ever prayed that sinner's prayer would be like, you know, I'm saved because like we're all playing in the sandbox and it's cool because there's no problem. But as soon as that sandbox got has the need for maybe some kitty litter or something in there, then it's not so fun. All right, so verse 3. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Wait. God let the Israelites go hungry. He loves us. He provides for us. He takes care of us. He feeds us. But it says right here that God let the Israelites go hungry. That's how he humbled them. That's how... He put himself in control of their lives. That's how he gave them the choice, the option, the opportunity to put him in control of their lives. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So God let them get hungry. And then he he didn't let them get hungry and then preach to them. He let them get hungry, then he supernaturally gave them bread. He gave them this manna. He still took care of what they needed, what their bodies needed, what they were craving. But then he taught them this lesson that they don't just need bread. They need every word that comes out of God's mouth. So yeah, sometimes we don't get what we want from God right away. They were, well, honestly, I don't even know. Some of them were praying. I know Moses was praying and Aaron were praying, but they were complaining. They're like, you took us out here and there's no grub and we hungry out here. And Egypt, they was eating steak. And even though we were slaves, we was eating steak. And now there's nothing out here and we hungry, man. They were complaining. Even though they complained, God fed them supernaturally. But he did this so to put them in the position to have the opportunity to put God in control of their life. It wasn't that God didn't love them, so that's why he didn't feed them. It's because he loved them that he didn't feed them right away. It's because God loved the Israelites that he let them go hungry, and then he miraculously fed them this bread. Verse 4. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. I didn't read anybody anywhere. I don't think I ever remember reading any of the Israelites saying thank you for that. 
Maybe they did. But I don't remember. It's not in there as many times as they complained. I could point out at least, you know, a bunch of handfuls of times when the Israelites complained to God about Moses or complained about Moses to, or just complained. It's in there everywhere. We're hungry. We're starving. Why'd you take us out here? But in the meantime, when God has supernaturally given them bread, when they're complaining for being hungry, it says their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't blister or swell. So number one, their belongings were well taken care of. They had what they needed. They had clothes. And if their feet weren't blistering and swelling, and the feet was the part of the body they were using all day walking around, I mean, they were in good health, right? So they had their health. They had their possessions. And God was showing up giving them food in a crazy way that had never happened before and never happened since. He was giving them this manna. But they were still complaining. Man, these Israelites sound just like me. I'm praying for something. I want something, God. Please help me. Please bless me with what I want, Jesus. And he doesn't give it to me right away. But I know if I'm praying in God's will, which I know I'm praying in God's will, it's going to happen. Yes, the Father, for anything in the Son's name, it's going to happen. Greater things than Jesus did here, we're going to do because we got Holy Spirit living inside of us. So it's going to happen. But I'm asking for something, and it's not happening instantly. It's not happening instantly. But all these other wonderful things are happening. Paul said he was still receiving revelations from Christ, even though he had this irritant in his side. He was still talking with God. God was still talking to him, showing him new and beautiful things. The Israelites were hungry, even though they weren't getting fed right away. God still fed them, gave them better. They didn't have to work for it. It just fell right there. They didn't have to go out and hunt and work for it. They weren't thankful for the blessings they had. They weren't thankful for being healthy and for having those possessions that they did have. Verse 5, think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. He's disciplining us for our own good. Otherwise, we'd run around crazy all the time. If God never slowed me down, I'd be proud of myself, and I think I was amazing, and I was the one doing all this good stuff. But God slows us down because he loves us. It says his power works best in our weakness. Do we really want God's power in our life? I, was, I told you I'm going to say some stuff about me. You might not like me. That's okay. I just went in the pastor's office for a second before service started just to pray. And I was thinking. And I was about to say a prayer. God, you're all I want. I don't know if that's true. Now, he's all I need. Don't get me wrong. Guys, I'm not going off track. God's in control of my life. Jesus is all I need. But can anybody in here truthfully say he's the only thing you want? Like, like, I'm talk- like, the- like you want other things, right? Like we want nice things. We want to have fun. We want fellowship. We want to hang out with people. We want family, right? We want a lot of things. We want entertainment. We want hobbies. 
We want so much. We're humans. That's natural. That's okay. So to sit there, to say a prayer and not to mean it, when God knows what you need before you think or pray it, I'm pretty sure he knows what you mean. I'm pretty sure he knows your intentions. We always tell people when they pray the sinner's prayer and they ask Jesus to take control of their lives. Like, look, if you really believed that, then you're saved. So if you really, I'm not doubting anybody. Like, I want you all to like pray with everything you got to God, right? Like, don't let me change the way you pray unless God is speaking to you right now and saying to change the way you pray. But to say, God, you're all I want tonight, right now, when we're praying in a second. Say, God, you're all I want. But then tomorrow, he's not all I want because I put him on the back burner because I slept in and went to work. I don't want anyone to feel guilty for not reading the Bible before they go to work. That's not the point. The point is putting God first in your life, whatever that looks like to you. If that's praying to and from work, if that's reading your Bible, you know, the last thing you do when you're going to bed, that's wonderful, that's beautiful, God honors that, that's perfect. But to say, God, you're all I want, and then to show him the opposite, to show him, man, you're the last thing I wanted today, figuratively, not time-wise, but like, you're the last thing I wanted. I put the least amount of emphasis on mine and your time today, God. I put the least amount of time, the least amount of desire. I didn't give you my best time. I was already tired and worn out, and I was just kind of, I mean, I read over it. I read like three chapters. Like, that's good, right? That's more than most people. Like, it doesn't matter what most people do. It doesn't matter. It matters about your relationship with God. You don't ever want to have the blessings and the miracles without God. You don't ever want to go somewhere and God not be there. You don't ever want to do something and God not be involved in it. You don't want to make a decision that's going against him. Well, how do I know if God wants me to do something? How do I know if God's showing me something or telling me something? What do you mean God told you? Okay, it's pretty simple. Everybody here is in Passion Church right now and has heard pastor guy preach and i can tell you that pastor guy preaches out of the holy inspired scriptures the word of god the bible what he says is from the bible and i pray that we're all taking time to read our bibles for ourselves but even if we're not you know what god wants you to do because pastor guy is saying it and you can check it in your word you need to read your word for yourself but if what you're reading in the bible and what pastor guy is saying is going against what you're doing, then that's not what God wants you to do. But if you're doing the love and the promises and the truth that God is showing you in his word, then that's what you're supposed to be doing. And no, I can't boil it down to you and tell you, are you supposed to have this job? Are you supposed to have that job? Or what? But I'm going to read a text message. I joked about sending a text earlier, so let's do it. Somebody texted me. All right. This is a question. How this is what someone texted me yesterday. How do you know when God wants to lead you in a different direction job-wise? Somebody sitting in this room just texted me. Y'all crazy. This is a fun church. It says, "How do you know when God wants to lead you in a different direction job-wise?" This is what I sent them. He confirms everything in the Bible. So when what's happening at your job isn't what God is showing you in the Bible. You are supposed to be a light there 
and be the one to show people, your coworkers, the customers, Jesus. After you try that several times, all right, don't just try to like, today I'm going to go in and act like a Christian. No, after you try that several times, and if they don't like it, then you will know what to do. Keep reading the Bible, praying, and putting in job applications. All right? And then, so that's good. So that's what the person, te- they're like, how do you know? I didn't tell them to leave a job or to get a new job or to stay in the job. That's not my business. But you know, if you are reading the Bible, God is really guiding you. I'm trying to stay away from church words and be like, God will show you or God will say it. But like, if you're seriously praying and reading and you've prayed for God's Holy Spirit to be in you and to open these scriptures and open your mind, open your mind to the scriptures, then you're going to know. Like it's, you got to pray for it more than once. You can just pray one time and expect it to happen. But like, nobody should have a question like, how do I know what God wants me to do? He gave us his word. The word was here before all this stuff was here. Before anything, the word already was. It already was Jesus. So the truth is in there. The truth of what you were supposed to do right now, what you're supposed to do next, what you're supposed to do with your life, is in the Bible. You don't have to question it. You don't have to question it. You don't have to question it. God will make it as clear to you as you are making yourself available to hear it. Now, if you don't ever read the Bible and you don't know what God wants you to do, I just can't help you. I just can't. You got to do it. You got to be willing to do it. There's a kid in my class and he won't do any work. Won't do progress reports. He won't do any work. All F's, right? How do I help him? How do I teach him? I'm, I'm going to keep trying. I'm not going to stop, you know, right? But how do I help him? And see, we're the same way. If I just keep not doing my work, if I keep not reading, if I keep not praying, how can I expect God to help me? We well, saying, let me help you. Give me your hand. I'm like, no, no. It's like, no, really, come here. I'll, I'll make life. No, no, I just keep walking away. God keeps pursuing me, keeps reaching out to me, trying to lend me a helping hand, and I don't take it. It's like, let me help you up. No, get away from me, right? How is God going to help you if you go in the opposite direction? So, Jesus, I just pray that we would all take more time every day to open ourselves up to you and to what you want to happen in our lives, Lord. And I thank you that we got the peace and the joy and the love and that you are in control and we are your kids and you are awesome and amazing and beautiful, Lord. I thank you for being in control. But I pray, Lord, that we would really, really give you all the control, Dad. I pray that we would give you all the control right now, forever, for the rest of our lives, Lord. Because we are weak, but I know that you are flexing in our weakness, Dad. So I pray that we set ourselves aside. We got a little bit less of ourselves so we can get a whole lot more of you, Dad. Because we need so much more of you. It doesn't work when we try to do it on our own, Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Lord, that you continue to lead us and you continue to guide us. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. All right. Easter Sunday is next week. Everybody got these cool handouts, right? There's still some back there? Everybody got these cool invitations. There's still some right there on the Connect desk in front of Brother Tom. Please invite people. They want to come. They want you to ask them. Please invite people to church so they can get saved and their lives can get changed and they can have that love and that joy that you have. You can do it. You can do it. It's hard. It's scary. It's weird. But you can go out and tell people about Jesus. And this altar is always open. If anybody wants to come and pray, you guys are always welcome to pray. If you need any special prayer, pastors always willing. I'm always willing to pray with you. Anybody in here would probably love to pray with you. If anybody wants prayer for anything, and I just want to encourage you and tell you guys that even if some days you're not feeling it, God is in control, and you know where to get that happiness from, and you know where to get that joy from. But don't cut out the very thing that we should emphasize. Don't cut out the very thing we need, which is Jesus Christ, which that's the temptation when things aren't going our way, is to walk away from it. So please, instead, he already knows. He already knows what you're thinking, what you're going through. Just let him embrace you. Even when it doesn't feel good, press in and continue to do the right thing when it doesn't feel good. Because that reward is coming. Which is another thing Pastor said on Sunday. Jesus didn't live based off of what, was fe- what felt good. If he lived based off of what would felt good, he wouldn't have been here as 100% man, 100% God, and went through the things he went through. But I want to share in Christ's reward. I want to share in his glory. So even when it doesn't feel good, I'm going to press in and do the right thing. And I know that I get to be joyful and happy when that is going on. And I get to press in. So I just encourage you guys to press in, even if it doesn't feel good, even if it feels awkward. Invite people to church for Sunday. Go out there and be that light and be the amazing people that you are. All right. You got anything? We're good? We're good? All right. A man who quits on time. <laughs> Good job. Show me how to do it, brother. I told you I've been up since four. <laughs> he says he's been up for, since four. It's time to go to bed. <laughs> Thank you, Nicholas. That was a good word. Good word. We don't live by convictions in the flesh, but we, uh, or we don't live by the circumstance in the flesh, but we live by convictions and purpose. We live by what we have already predecided God wants us to do, and, and knowing that we have a purpose in this life, we do it, whether it's good times or bad times or whatever you're going through. You know, the quicker we just surrender to God, the easier our emotional state will be. Because it's, you know, if you read on where he was at in Deuteronomy, He goes on to say, because I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey and all these things. You're going to have all these beautiful things. But he said, but then when you have all the things, don't leave me then either. Don't get all happy and say, you got this by yourself, and then be tempted to leave me. He's saying, when you didn't have anything, I was showing you that I I would supply the manna and that you would learn to trust me. But then once you learn to trust me and then you begin to get nice things and your life turns around, don't forget me then either. So really, 
Paul says, I've, I've learned to be abased and I've learned to abound. I've had a lot and a little. I've been hungry and I've been had a belly full. But you know, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to do what he wants me to do. And the quicker we stop trying to uh, make all the decisions and have everything go our way, most, most of every bit of sadness in our life is, is unmet expectations that we had for ourselves that God never told us to expect. And most of the thing is, is about me. What do I, what I want? What I want? I want. And that's, that's been the problem with man from the very beginning. It's all about me. And God said, let it be all about me because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I am, I am the blessing. I am everything that you need. That's why he said, that's my name. I am. And so the quicker we learn to just surrender. I mean, isn't that what Chad said tonight? You know, all we need to do is just surrender to God. Life won't be so hard. If you're going through hard times, but you know God's with you in it, I'm going to be all right. If you're going through good times, well, amen. As long as God's in it. But I'd rather be going through a bad time with God than a good time without him. So just surrender afresh. That was a good message. Thank you, Brother Nicholas. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.